Hey everyone, welcome to episode 40 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and today we take a detour and head over to Woodstock, New York for their 21st annual film festival. And as I've said several times before, my favorite film festival. I'll tell you about the movies I watched and what I thought about them. Let's get started. Okay, so this past week, Regal Movie Theaters, my favorite place, has said they are temporarily closing their doors during this COVID thing, instead of even opening up at 25% capacity like they said they were going to do. I honestly got really sad at the news because their movie theater near my home is basically what I call my sanctuary. When I have a bad day, I went to the movie. I went to the movie and saw as many as I could under their pay one monthly price pass. Okay, I don't really need an excuse to go to a movie, but that you get the drift. I even worked at Regal for a few months a few years ago, and I loved it. But there's not a surprise that the theaters are struggling, and I was actually talking to EJ about this the other day and how the drive-ins are really going to at least hopefully benefit because people are going to want to go to the movies. So maybe the drive-ins, maybe it's time for their resurgence, especially in areas where they can stay open all year long. So hopefully that'll happen. But even still, the movie theater industry is not the same right now. And on top of the big major motion picture film film studios and, and theaters struggling, Film festivals are suffering big time this year, too. The festivals depend on movie tickets being sold and souvenirs being bought. And the communities that they're in depend on the tourism dollars with hotel stays and restaurant stays. So film festivals aren't just, hey, let's go see a film. There's so much bigger than that. And they're not surviving and they're not doing well. Now, if you're not familiar with film festivals, you should be, especially if you love film and TV and you travel and that's what this whole podcast is about. You really should turn your attention to film festivals. It's a great way to see some of the best movies that don't always make it to the theaters. Some do, but not all do. And there are some really talented filmmakers out there. In the last episode, I even mentioned Sasha Gordon's It Had to Be You. It was a few years back, but I mentioned that it was one of my favorite films that I've ever seen at a film festival. I'm not into horror. I'm not into certain movies I'm not into. I love rom-coms, and I love her movie. I absolutely loved her movie. It was hilarious. And I've also talked about uh, some of the documentaries I've been lucky to see that were really well done. Documentaries are hard to do. So when when I come across one that I leave there and I'm like, wow, that was really good. I typically have seen it at a film festival. So I started thinking about how do I do my part during the quarantine and through COVID to help? I don't have a lot of money to donate to people and... I can't go anywhere to do things, but I realized that there are two areas that fit me well, and that's movies and books. So my goal with this podcast and the work that I do is to bring you more information on film festivals so hopefully you can support them as well, and as well as encourage you to support independent bookstores. 
not just to buy my books, but pretty much to buy any books. The arts need your help, and I plan on doing my part to make that happen. So in this episode, I'm going to go kind of off the cuff. Um, I have a tendency to have some notes in front of me from time to time on these podcasts, but not today. And I'm going to tell you what worked for me at the film festival, what I saw, what I liked, what I didn't like. Did I give any thumbs up or thumbs down? So let's get into it. So first of all, the Woodstock Film Festival was a hybrid. It was a hybrid of online movies. So you could actually buy tickets and watch them from the comfort of your own home, as well as some of the panels that they had and screenings that they had at the local drive-ins in Woodstock or in towns near Woodstock. So I decided to get my screeners as press. I get to choose a few movies that I want to review, and I get to watch them also from the comfort of my own home. My number one movie that I wanted to see was Nomadland, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to do that. They were only doing it at the drive-in, and I do have my intention of seeing that. And it actually was voted the best narrative feature at Woodstock Film Festival. Now it's directed by Chloe Zhao. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. And it's a drama, and she also wrote, edited, and co-produced it. It's based on the 2017 nonfiction book, Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century. And it stars Frances McDormand as a woman. She leaves her small hometown to travel around the American Midwest. Be still my beaten heart. I want to do that. (laughs) Um, So I really wanted to see it because it kind of fit what I like to watch. So once I get a chance to do that, I will report back. But congratulations to them for getting Best Narrative Feature. The first movie that I'm going to talk about that I watched was a documentary, and it was called The Sit-In. Harry Belafonte hosts The Tonight Show. It was directed by Yoruba Rickin, or Richin. And again, I apologize if I get the names wrong. Now, in 1968, Johnny Carson, the host of The Tonight Show, was taking a one-week vacation and he asked Harry Belafonte to come in and take over for him and it the documentary shows you that it wasn't just the importance of Johnny asking Harry Belafonte to come in and host the show but it was at a time in 1968 where there were a lot of racial tensions going on And Belafonte used his platform to bring on some really important people to show uh, diversity, to show and talk about the culture of black Americans and what was going on in the world. Um, And also to show, you know, different music and different entertainment that we might not have seen otherwise um, at a time period where Johnny Carson was hosting. And so it's a very well done documentary where, again, like I said, you're going to step outside the shadows of The Tonight Show and you're going to learn a little bit about what was going on in the time period with Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. Um, You know, I'm not going to go into the whole scenario, but I thought it was really, really well done um, because it it showed you that television brings us a lot of entertainment and information But there's a lot of historical impact to what television does as well. It's not just reality shows and game shows that they they actually have these platforms to be able to talk. Now, interestingly, we have a lot of that going on today. 
But again, today, the late shows are not really very diverse. At the same time, we also have a lot of racial tensions going on today. And it, it really was interesting to see that so much of what was happening back then is almost reflective of what's happening now today. So this documentary coming out, I think, was perfect timing. I think everybody can learn a lot from it. Um, and hopefully the changes that took place back then and the impact that it had, maybe we can get, I don't know, I'm not going to get political here, but maybe we can just get back to a little bit of that, um, you know, and, and understanding the diversity and the racial tensions and Black Lives Matter and all of that um, is very, very important. And this is a really well done documentary. Uh, I love anything that has to do with history of television or television shows. Um so the next one that I got to watch was a little interesting. It's called Fully Realized Humans. It's directed by Joshua Leonard, who also wrote it. And the concept of the movie is with the, this couple has less than a month to go uh, until their first child is born. They go to a baby shower and basically their so-called friends scare the living death out of them because it tells them that, you know, their life is over. It's never going to be the same. You're not going to be the same people that you were before. And it, it scares them. Like you can see ja the look on Jackie's face as her friends are telling her this and she's literally going into a panic. Um, so when they leave there, uh, they decide that they need to do something to kind of break the cycle of this dysfunction that they had in their lives. And they need to do something, you know, ridiculously uh, big and bold. And they were like, oh, we'll jump out of an airplane or, well, we can't do that. She's pregnant. Oh, well, we'll, you know, go skydiving or water skiing. We can't do that. She's pregnant. So um, they decide to start becoming a little more experimental in the bedroom with something that Jackie wanted to do. Um, my show has a tendency to be family friendly, so I'm going to leave that there. Uh, but then they also go on from there because they realize that they have very dysfunctional parents. And in order to be better parents to their daughter, they need to now confront their parents to you know, for their own upbringings and the mistakes that their parents made to see if they can kind of break the cycle and put everything on the table. Uh, I, I thought it was a great movie about self-discovery. I thought some of the scenes were a little, a little weird, um, you know, in, in whatever way you want to interpret it. But I written, and, and I'm not talking about the bedroom scene, but I think that it's an obvious example of how parents start to get a little deeper in thought when they know they're bringing a child into the world and now they want to make some changes so that they can raise that child appropriately. I went through it. I know a lot of my friends went through it and they just kind of took that concept and went with it a little bit. So good movie. I give it like a seven and a half out of, out of 10. And by the way, I give the sit-in an eight out of 10, just so you know. So let's move on to Horse Latitudes, and that was uh, directed by Noah Gilbert, and it was the New North at the Woodstock Film Festival, it was the North American premiere, and I was very lucky that I had a chance to interview Noah about the movie, 
for many of you who might re- remember, my one of my absolute favorite movies is Under the Tuscan Sun. And there's two reasons why I fell in love with that movie. And the first one was the cinematography of it. Because I remember literally looking at this movie. I had never been to Italy. I had never really looked at a lot of pictures of Italy or Tuscany. And in this movie, the just the views were breathtaking that... I started to cry. <laughs> I had this overwhelming desire to just cry at the beauty of what Tuscany is. And it's still number one on my bucket list to get there. No, I have not done that yet. I was going to be soon, but thanks, COVID. Uh, <laughs> so watching Horse Latitudes, the whole concept of the movie is that there's a young girl who is very much a, a traveler. She's independent. She has this big you know, degree of wanderlust. And she decides to go back to an old flame on a vineyard in France and try to give their relationship one more shot and be committed and stay put somewhere. Um, And the second reason why I liked Under the Tuscan Sun was the storyline. And the storyline was a little different in the fact that, um, you know, uh, Diane Lane's character wanted to stay put and she was forced to actually go out whereas this one was the other way around but the development of the characters and the storyline and how well written it was is what intrigued me about under the tuscan sun well done rom-com uh horse latitudes was pretty much the same thing for me and I, i i enjoyed the characters i enjoyed seeing their relationship develop and then you sit and wonder if they're going to get back together how is this going to work she's so different than he is he's starting to change is that going to affect them the writing was really well done it um i'm not going to give away the ending that's up to you to go watch but uh i'm gonna play a couple of clips from my interview with noah And I had a chance to ask him a few questions and talk to him about the beauty of the area. How did the whole concept of the film start from just a location? Like who, whose idea was it on the storyline and, and where did that all come from? Well, my, so my brother uh, writes everything that I direct and, and, and we do all these things together. Uh, My brother actually, so the story the foundation of this particular story is actually very personal to him and, and was based on, on something he was actually in the process of going through himself. Um, and, and brought the idea to, to me and we discussed it. And, uh, John Beavers, who plays David in the film was very involved in those early discussions of, uh, of the direction of where the film would go and what it was we were interested in exploring. Uh, and as I, uh, talked about briefly in that Woodstock interview, um, we were just interested in all these different themes of, of you know, it's like a, a, a mid, a, a, like a later life coming of age. It's um, it's just very interesting for for all of my peers, um, both men and women, but particularly women, um, you know, turning thirty and and wondering, you know, asking yourself the age old questions of, do you know what do I want from life? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it, it's something that I definitely grapple with in a in a major way. Um, the idea of the balance between being settled and being free. And yeah, so, so those ideas, I guess, started to shape what the film became, uh, what the screenplay became, and then my brother took it away, and he's such a beautiful writer. Okay, thank you so much for that, Noah. 
just so you know, I give horse latitudes um, a nine out of 10 and I really recommend it. Um, so the next movie that I had a chance to watch is called Milk Water. And Milk Water was directed and written by Morgan Ngari. And it has to do with uh, a woman named Milo who basically she's going through kind of this change in her life where she's starting to feel a little abandoned by her friends who are doing more with their lives and she's not really. She meets an older gay man at a bar. Their conversation goes on. He says that he's always wanted to be a father, but things have gone wrong in that area where the adoption fell through, etc. So Milo decides to become his surrogate. Now, it you would think, okay, I am going to be your surrogate and we just have to get through nine months and you're going to have a baby and we're going to be friends. But that wouldn't be a very simple movie. <laughs> so, or that would be a very simple movie. So it becomes more complicated because Milo kind of develops this attachment to, to um, the, the gentleman because I think she, he's showing her attention that she so desperately needs and she's giving him something that he desperately wants and she's kind of holding on to that in a way that's really dysfunctional because he's gay, they're not going to fall in love, he wants to raise this baby on his own, they're not going to be partners and it really becomes a complication for Milo. Uh, the movie was, again, well done in, in seeing the character development of Milo. My only critique on this is that at one point when Milo um, goes to talk to the gentleman about his, um, you know, about the baby, it's like all of a sudden he's just like, you can't come around. You can't be here. I need my own life. I just felt like it happened a little too suddenly. Uh, so if that had been a little bit done a little bit differently, then it wouldn't have felt so kind of almost out of place for me that he had such a, a really quick change in how he perceived her, especially knowing what she was going through. But that's really a very minor critique on the movie. And I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's just, you know, something different to watch. Um, and I give it a 7 out of 10. So now the <laughs> this last movie, it's called The Outside Story. And it's written and directed by Kazimir Nazkowski. And it stars Brian Tyree Henry. And what I loved about this movie is the fact that you take a simple concept. I locked my keys in the house and I can't get in. I'm stuck outside. What happens now? I'm a black man stuck outside of my, my own apartment. What happens now? I, I really, really liked this movie. I thought that they took this simple concept, put Charles in scenarios that really made him evaluate his life really showed us his life from a completely different perspective. Um, everything from a black man climbing down a stair, uh, you know, a uh, fire escape on the outside of the house to just try to get into his own apartment to his relationship with the, uh, I think she was just a traffic cop, but, or, you know, like she wrote tickets, parking meter lady. 
but she was giving him a hard time. Um, he went outside without shoes. How was he perceived? Uh, you know, he didn't have any money. So how does he get food? He, his cell phone dies. How does he charge it? Uh, while he, all while he waits for his building supervisor to get there with, uh, the keys to his house. And that's going to take quite some time. So a little concept developed into a bigger picture. Well done. And there are some funny scenes in there. Uh, I think that Brian Tyree Henry did a great job carrying this movie. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of stuff like this. So if you think that every movie needs to be this major blockbuster, it doesn't. A simple story, a well-written script, a character arc, and a great ending. I think that that's really what it's all about. And that's why I love film festivals, because I find movies like this. So on that note, what film festival can you support? Maybe you'll find the next best documentary you've ever seen at one. Maybe the next best rom-com or adventure movie. Or maybe they'll just be good movies and you'll have a good time watching them out of the comfort of your own home. But the film festivals really depend on us. So please get on the internet, search around for some film festivals that might be coming up near you. I know there's one in New Orleans coming up soon. Support them. If you want to support the Woodstock Film Festival, go to woodstockfilmfestival.com. And there, there are souvenirs that you can buy from them. There are donation areas. You can send them a donation and help to keep uh, the, the smaller film festivals going while all of this chaos and craziness in the world, uh, you know, works itself out. And just remember, it's like movies and stuff that are keeping you going at home right now. So the industry is desperate for help. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to, to Real Travels. Please follow me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler. And if you have a minute, maybe leave me a review on this podcast or click some of those stars on iTunes, whichever one you can. And in the meantime, me and my hiccups will see you next week.